Hello, friends. This is the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and we are here this week with you to study in 3 Nephi chapters 8 through 11, which is the climax of the Book of Mormon. That's if there ever, long, right? yeah, if there ever was one, this is it. And we're excited to be here today. It's my favorite chapter. 3 Nephi 11 is my favorite chapter in the Book of Mormon. So we really are excited to dive in. So you would always say it's the climax because it's your it's favorite. Climax. Yep. I like um, it too. Before we dive in though, we do something in our family every, oh, almost every night around the dinner table. Uh, everyone gets to share a high and a low from the day. And so we go around the table, everyone shares their low and then their high and they get bugged when they steal each other's highs. And our three-year-old doesn't know what a high or a low is. So she just names random things and the kids all tell her like, no, that's not a high or that's not a low. But it's kind of cute about that a three-year-old to think because hers are always just things that she likes. <laughs> what was your high? I wear a dress today. What was your low? I wore another dress today. <laughs> Which is also true because she wears like 10 dresses every day. So we realized, podcasting friends, that we're all family. And so we'd like to share highs and lows with you at the beginning of our episodes. So this week, we're going to start with a high. And uh, it comes from both of us. In the last 24 hours, we have both um, made a trip to the world's best grocery store, which is Aldi. So that's a big statement, Zach. Well, the world's best grocery store. It is. So we come from Utah originally, and uh, we're kind of big Smiths fans and Sprouts fans. If you're from Utah or the West, there's those out there. But now we're out here in the East, and uh, we just discovered Aldi, which they actually had in Germany when we Does were. Does say we didn't discover? I felt like I was reconnecting with an old friend <laughs> from shopping in Germany. But I went to buy pizza toppings tonight. And my little stash of like six different things, which included the fancy mozzarella, you know, in the packet, the kind of slimy stuff that you have to cut yourself. And these little tiny sweet uh, peppers, which uh, and those things like the, the mozzarella packs, like what, 10 bucks when you buy it in some other store. It was $2 in Aldi. Uh, and the little sweet pepper pack was like $2 as well. And they had like 70 cent bag of jalapeno peppers and... Zach, you just revealed the ticket to your heart, which is a good deal on <laughs> something. I like it because it's cheap, but it also has good food. <laughs> well, I like it just because I felt like, oh, it's Aldi. It's Germany. They have German goodies there mm -hmm. and happy hippos. We're not there, but happy hippos are German. And big aisles. They had really big aisles. <laughs> I like that too. Clearly that was your high. We're glad <laughs> to know. Cheap food and big aisles. <laughs> Oh, anyway. well, that is just something to share today. It's heartwarming. So there you go. It's There's our high. There's our high from the week. Hopefully you had some highs as well. It's heartwarming. We'll be thinking of some... Anyway, we thought it would be just something random and fun to share with you guys. So, um, But near and dear to our hearts this week, and I say that with real meaning because, man, you guys... Every time the Book of Mormon this year, and maybe it's just me taking that, um, well, not only having just kind of a life turned upside down year, but also a year that um, the Book of Mormon has just been an answer and a help for me all year. 
And as we prepared for this episode, I was feeling very emotional about these chapters. We get to see Christ coming. And I've always loved these chapters. Like Zach said, it's the climax of the Book of Mormon. Um, It's the climax of history in Mm -hmm. many ways that Christ appears to these people. And I, as I studied this week, I couldn't help but actually, to be honest, at first I was a little, um, not disturbed, but confused maybe would be a better term of like, wait, we've been talking about hearing him and trying to hear God's voice. And here's the chapters we get to figure it out. And that's what we talked about wanting to talk about with you in this episode. Um, but then I got confused because we kind of hear three different voices in these chapters. It starts out with, um, in, you know, the darkness settles in, in chapter eight in, and the tempests and the earthquakes and all of those things are happening. Signs of the savior's death. right? Right. And then the darkness comes, but in that darkness, a voice is heard among all the inhabitants of the earth. And I'm quoting that from the beginning of chapter nine. And he speaks to them. And this is an interesting one because I thought, wait a second, he's speaking to everyone. This isn't a voice that they're half, that they need to hear. He is broadcasting his voice to everyone. And it says that a couple times at the beginning of chapters nine and 10, it talks about, and now it came to pass that all the people of the land did hear these sayings. So this is something that he wants everyone to hear. Um, Makes me think a little bit in the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, the Lord talks about different voices he uses to speak to people. And um, when they don't listen to his voice, the voice of his servants or the voice of the Spirit, then sometimes he uses his own voice. And it's the voice that he says in the Doctrine and Covenants of tempests and lightnings and thunder and earthquake to get their attention. And I've always told the story and thought it's a great analogy of when you're trying to get your kids attention especially when there's danger approaching first you call out to them but if they're not listening you start yelling or screaming or running after them so that you can get their attention and i kind of had that sense in the beginning of these chapters that this is the lord trying to get their attention trying to wake them up to something and if you didn't respond to the earthquakes and to the darkness here's what or you know maybe he was even trying to get their attention of like it's dark you mm-hmm. have nothing else to do but, but listen. listen to mm-hmm. me and you need to listen um but then the next voice in comes in well the other two voices come so in chapter 11 um this is the voice that they they hear and i should say that they kind of hear it so we start in chapter 11 and this is verse 1 And now it came to pass that there were a great multitude gathered together of the people of Nephi round about the temple, which was in the land of Bountiful, and they were marveling and wondering one with another, and were showing one to another the great and marvelous change which had taken place. And they were also conversing about this Jesus Christ, of whom the sign had been given concerning his death. Um... And so I first read this thinking like, wow, this is what they're doing. They're gathered together. They're by the temple. They're marveling and wondering, and they're conversing about Jesus Christ. This is how we prepare to hear him, those things. Um, But then it goes on in chapter three. And it's interesting because here is the voice of God, the father, trying to get through to these people to let them know that 
this next voice, what's coming up, they really need to listen to. But here's what it has, here's all the th- the steps that they have to take to actually hear, even hear his voice. It says in verse three, and it came to pass that while they were thus conversing one with another, they heard a voice as if it came out of heaven and they cast their eyes round about for they understood not the voice which they heard. It wasn't a harsh voice. It wasn't a loud voice. Um, it being a small voice, it did pierce them that they did hear to the center insomuch that there was no part of their frame that did not cause to quake. Yea, it did pierce them to the very soul and did cause their hearts to burn. I've always loved that verse um, because those are some of the things that I feel when I feel touched by the voice of God. Um, and I love that it speaks to those different parts of how he speaks to us. You know, it speaks to their heart. It pierces their soul. And they not only heard it, they heard this gentle voice. Anyway, um, but what's interesting in verse four, it says, and it came to pass that again, they heard the voice and they understood it not. So they're feeling and they're hearing all these things, but they're still not understanding. And again, the third time they did hear the voice and did open their ears to hear it and their eyes towards the sound thereof. And they did look steadfastly towards heaven from whence the sound came. Um, and this is when they finally understand verse six and behold, the third time they did understand the voice which they heard. And this is what it said unto him. Behold, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and whom I have glorified my name, hear ye him. So this is the effort that God the Father went to to make sure that these people recognized his, his son, recognized Jesus Christ, our Savior, that was going to appear to them. And I think... I think that's pretty relatable to us is that sometimes it takes a lot of different voices, a lot of disturbances in, um, in our lives, in our experiences is that what we read in chapter eight of all of the destruction and the darkness. And then this booming voice saying, listen to me, this is who I am. Um, and then even to that, oh, okay, now we're remembering who it is like, okay, we're going to listen this time. Um, I look at what these people went through and what the Savior and what the Father had to do um, to get the people's attention, and I think that's a little bit like us today. Um, And President Nelson, from his April 2020 General Conference talk, Hear Him, says this, As we seek to be disciples of Jesus Christ, our efforts to hear Him need to be ever more intentional. It takes conscious and consistent effort to fill our daily lives with his words, his teachings, his truths. Um, And I couldn't help but notice this as well, is that in verse 12, when Jesus Christ appears to them and announces himself and they see him, this is when, in verse 12, they finally say, when Jesus had spoken these words, the whole multitude fell to the earth for they remembered that it had been prophesied among them that Christ should show himself unto them. And I just think that took a lot to get to them, but that's kind of our experience too. Um, And I love thinking of these chapters. I think that's what we wanted to focus on because that's something that's near and dear to us right now is how can we hear him better? And I think that's, there's, we've talked about in the past episodes of how it's no coincidence that, that's really what the prophets and apostles are 
encouraging, strongly encouraging us to do right now is to learn to understand the voice of God and take that into our lives. So we wanted to study these chapters with this question in mind of what does he do for them? And of course, I've already kind of talked about some of those, but there's so many. What does he do for them so that they can learn to hear him? And on the flip side of that, what is he doing for us today to help us hear and know and understand him? It's a fascinating question to think um, once they open their ears, once they open their eyes and they finally see and hear and understand, this is what he says and does for them. Well, our prophets and apostles are telling us to do the same thing, open our ears and open our eyes and pay attention. What's he saying and doing for us? If we open our ears and open our eyes, what is it that we would see and what is it that we would hear? And the first one that I noticed back in chapter 9, um, chapter 8, if you read it, the voice that comes to them outlines, this is the voice of the Savior, outlines for them a myriad of uh, destructions that uh, he has brought about. You know, this city have I burned, this city have I buried in, in water, this city have I caused to be consumed with fire. That's all of chapter 8. It's a really depressing chapter for the people that are listening. And then chapter 9 begins and it continues. And then we get to verse 13. And if you're not, if you don't read verse 13, you think that the Lord is just simply angry and that he's naming destruction that he's caused. But it's all to bring them to verse 13. This is the whole crux of chapter 8 and 9. The whole reason he's listing off all of this is so that he can get them to verse 13. He says, O all ye that are spared, because you were more righteous than they, will you not now return unto me and repent of your sins and be converted that I may heal you? Um, I think this is a message that the Lord is saying to us today, if we would hear. And I think it's ironic that it takes a worldwide pandemic um, to bring about healing. But as I think of my own experience during all of this, I have experienced the most powerful spiritual healing in the past couple of months because my life of necessity slowed down so many things were taken away or closed down. Uh, my normal go-to activities or my uh, normal go-to ways of dealing with stress and worry are gone. And I have nowhere else to turn but God himself. Um, I took a backpacking trip with my uh, dad and brother and uncles um, a couple of weeks ago before we moved out here. A uh, week into the Uinta Mountains uh, near Utah, and, and uh, we hike 50 miles. We get lost away from everybody that's there. You can't hear anybody. There's no one around. And I'm out fishing on this lake, and I walk out to this little rock kind of out in the middle of the lake, and I stop fishing for a minute, and I just listen, and the whole world is silent. Everything has slowed down. And I had the most spiritual experience on that rock in the middle of the lake, um, and it all centered around me realizing that God is trying to heal me. He's trying to get me to change. Uh, he's inviting me, commanding me to take advantage of this time to really become healed. And so I love that that's the message of the Savior to these people. In the middle of this catastrophe, he wants to heal them. And I kind of think that's his message to us, or at least one of them.
Well, playing off that a little, one of the phrases that I just really loved, um, and he talks about this a lot in the New Testament too, is um, he says in chapter 10, verse 4, how oft have I gathered you as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings and have nourished you. And again, how oft I have gathered you as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, O ye people of Israel. And he says that again. And now this is that voice that he is broadcasting to everyone. He's saying, I'm going to gather you. I am here. I'm going to take care of you. And I think similar to what you're saying, Zach, is that he's he's going to gather us and he wants to heal us. He wants to bring us together. Um, and he does just that. Then this is after he appears to the people in chapter 11. This is exactly what he does. Um, verse 14, he says, arise and come forth unto me that ye may thrust your hands into my side. And also that ye may feel the prints of the nails in my hands and in my feet, that ye may know that I am the God of Israel and the God of the whole earth and have been slain for the sins of the world. That's beautiful to me that he's gathering them in small groups because this is a fairly small group when you think of everyone in the whole world. Um, but that's what he does. That's the first thing that he wants to do is he wants to f them to come to him and he's going to gather and he's still gathering us. He gathered them and he is still trying to do the same thing for us today. Well, and it's another ironic thing that uh, in a worldwide pandemic where we are now limited in our gatherings, maybe part of the benefit from that is that because we can't gather with other people, we only have one person left that we can gather with, and it's God. And uh, how powerful would that be if after this pandemic uh, goes away or we return to whatever new normal there is, we feel more healed and gathered to God than we ever have been before. That's interesting because I wish I knew where to find this, but it was one of the articles written from one of the apostles about kind of this time of COVID and how, what the church is saying and what their feelings are about the pandemic. And that's exactly what, what was written by one of them was that isn't it fortunate that we can still gather to the Savior, that we can still come to him. He has not taken himself away from us. I think that's a really powerful thing to remember because a lot of us are experiencing a lot of whatever it is, feelings, tumult, whatever. Um, and he will continue to gather us and continue to be there for us. Yeah. Another one that I liked in chapter 11, once he has gathered them to him, he calls the apostles. And um, I think it's interesting what he does to them. He gives them power and authority to baptize and gives them instructions on how to do that. But he reiterates a message to them over and over, and I hadn't noticed how repetitive this message was until I was reading it uh, this time through. He says in verse 22, uh, the Lord called others and said to them, likewise, he gave them power to baptize. And he said to them, on this wise shall you baptize, and there shall be no disputations among you. That's commandment language. There shall, ye shall, thou shalt not have any contentions or disputations among you. Verse 28, And according as I have commanded you, thus shall you baptize, and there shall be no disputations among you, as there have hitherto been. Neither shall there be disputations among you concerning the points of my doctrine, as there have hitherto been. Uh, verse 30, or verse 29, which is great uh, old scripture mastery verse, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that he that hath the spirit of contention is not of me, 
but is of the devil who is the father of contention. And he stirreth up the hearts of men to contend with anger one with another. Um, now, uh, that strikes me, again, in the current environment, um, whether political or social, where finding and promulgating contention is almost as easy as breathing. It strikes me that the Lord emphasizes contention is not part of my doctrine. Now, that is, of course, not to say that we don't contend against the forces of evil and that we don't contend against the forces of social injustice or racial injustice. There are causes to be fought and battles to be waged and wars to be won. But contending against each other is not what the Lord asks us to do. We should be linking arms and spreading goodness and gospel as far as we can. And yet I worry that sometimes we spend so much energy fighting against um, each other that we don't have enough energy left over to fight against the real problems in the world. And so that message resonates with me. It always has, and I think it's a message that should be heard today. Um, with all of the things that we want to accomplish as God's children, we don't have time to bicker with each other. We have to turn our attention in a unified way against the injustices uh, and the problems that we're seeing in our world, and we have to finally solve them. And that's exactly what these apostles are commanded to do, and that's exactly what they do. They unify themselves, they go out and they preach the gospel, and they cause actual change. Okay, one more, because this is my one of my favorite things, is thinking of Jesus as the light and the life of the world. And he announces this to everyone in chapter 9, verse 18. I am the light and the life of the world. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And then as he introduces himself, when he, as he appears to the people in chapter 11, um, verse 10, Behold, I am Jesus Christ, whom the prophets testified shall come into the world. And behold, I am the light and the life of the world. Greatest object lesson in the Book of Mormon, darkness for days. And then in that darkness, and once the darkness ends, he announces, I am the light. Look what happens when I'm gone out of the world. There's no light. Now that I'm here, there's light. I love it. I think light's just the coolest analogy for him. Um, but yeah, I love thinking of that as that that's the truth, that that's what he is, that's what's, what he does, and that's what he can bring to us. Um, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of this episode of just these chapters becoming real for me, just like the whole, I feel like the Book of Mormon has this year, but um, I feel like for my own self <laughs> over these past, I'd even say months, I feel like just the whole pandemic, the whole everything, we've been through a lot as a family and um, coming here and getting adjusted and I was thinking as I read these chapters, like, wow, I'm kind of having my own personal chapter eight happening in my, in my life of like, wow, we're, my emotions are all over the place. Um, there's my own personal earthquakes of just feeling so vulnerable and so, um, scared and afraid and, you know, what's happening with the future? What are we going to do? What's, you guys can relate, I'm sure. Um, but I found so much comfort as I read these chapters because it's been hard for me to hear his voice. 
Um, it's been hard for me to, um, I, I don't want to say want to hear his voice, but it's been hard to know how to really turn to him. Um, and so it's been this, this, these chapters couldn't have come at a better time for me in my personal life to remember and to realize that, um, he, he can do all these things, the things that they experienced, what he does for them is something that he can do for me um, right now in my life because I need it. And maybe you need it too. And if you don't right now, then I'm sure you will soon because um, we need him. And as I was thinking more about this idea of hearing him from President Nelson, I'm going to read another bit from his, from his talk that I read from earlier. He says, I renew my plea for you to do whatever it takes to increase your spiritual capacity to receive personal revelation. Doing so will help you know how to move ahead with your life, what to do during times of crisis, and how to discern and avoid the temptations and the deceptions of the adversary. Um, I'm going to take that as a promise to me. And it's from our prophet, so it's for all of us that this invitation to hear him can bring light and life to your world. Um, And I need that right now. And so I'm going to continue to take that to heart and to study these chapters in more depth of, you know, what is, what is Jesus Christ doing as he ministers to these people and how can that be taken to my own heart and my own pains and my own insecurities? Well, and what a great way, not just to study chapter, these chapters, but to study all of these upcoming chapters in Third Nephi. What is he saying to them that he's also saying to me? Thank you so much for studying with us in this episode. We hope that this begins a great study for you, and we will see you next week.